0: Thank you, Pastor. It is good to be back with you today. We were here the last time, just about a week or two before Brother Van went home to be with the Lord. Uh, he had me to come here twice in about a two-year period and do a couple services on missions. You know, we do mission work in Nigeria, West Africa, look at the book ministries, radio ministry and all that. And if you say, I don't recognize that guy, well, since I was here that time, I have lost 140 pounds. And so half of me, I guess, went into partial rapture, if you could just believe in that. <laughs> no, we finally felt we need to do something about our health. And uh, doctors were all, for me, having bariatric surgery. And so we went on the program and lost 48 pounds before that from April to December. And then last December had the surgery. And God has been good. The only thing is I've had to buy all new clothes, you know. You go from a size 56 down to a 46, you're doing something, you know. <laughs> and uh, this is a 50 coat. I bought this at Easter, and it's already too big on me, but, uh, but not as big as the ones I had. But God's been good, and uh, I just kind of the privilege to be here today at this place. And Brother Van and I did teach. I'm still at the Bible Institute. I've been there. I was there just a little longer than him, and uh, I'm in my 31st year there. And God's been good to allow us to be a part of that. Uh, I want you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, starting with chapter 8. We're going to look at three places in the Gospel of Luke uh, this morning. And uh, I think that the Lord would have for us on this last Sunday of 2019. This has been one of the busiest years I've had uh, in the ministry since I've quit pastoring years ago. And it seems like this year has been a very, very busy time. And it's really helped our ministry as far as uh, that that's came in and the work we're doing. we just over in Nigeria. Of uh, course, we'll have end of the end-of-the-year prayer letter coming off uh, out next month. And uh, But we were able to purchase a van for two of the pastors there, two vans. Uh, God they raised that money up over $4,000 apiece. And now they're hauling people to church over there, uh, out in the bush and all. I, when I went there the first time years ago, I saw the Jehovah Witness was running a van, hauling people to the, to the Kingdom Hall, the place that's anything but the Kingdom of God. And, uh, boy, we needed something to get people in. And so finally, God allowed us the last year to present it to the Mission Conference, and uh, they began to raise the money through different mission conferences and other churches we visited. We bought one right away and then was able just a few weeks ago to buy the other one. So we thank God for that and pray for our ministry, if you would. Our plans are to go back to Nigeria for a couple weeks in late April and after Easter, rushes is over with and all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. You've given us thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who died on Calvary for our sin. We thank you for saving us, keeping us. We realize our Father today, we deserve what we get. We'd be in hell. And Father, we're so glad and thankful for what you did in sending your Son. And thank you for this church today. I pray for them. I pray for this pastor. Touch him. Father, recover him quick from his uh, surgery. And our Father today, just strengthen him as he goes on here for this good group that's here today and for the Lord, the work that this church has done over the years. Father, help us today to see the need. There may be one here that's never met the Lord Jesus Christ, one that's never had that experience that these we're going to talk about today has had. And Father, I would pray this be the hour, what a way, to end this year to say this was not a wasted year, but a good year, because it was the day that Jesus came into their life. In his name we pray, amen. I want to talk about today when Jesus comes. I think about when Jesus comes. Jesus came to me on March the 30th, 1970 in a church about this size, maybe not quite as big as this church, a Baptist church, Missionary Baptist Church, located in the coalfields of southern West Virginia where I grew up in the very community I grew most of my young life up in, where my dad grew up at. And uh there, I'd come back to that church to revival at the age of 26, lived a riotous life, but had never forgotten the teachings that I'd gotten as a young man coming to that church as a kid, being hauled to that church in a, what was then called a carryall with a SUVs now, a Chevy carryall. This man was married to my wife, and my, my dad's cousin would bring me to church. And the night I got saved, the first person to meet me when I turned away from the front of the church was this man that had hauled me to church as a nine-year-old kid. You see, he lived long enough to see fruit come out of that what was done uh, over the years. But Jesus came to where I was. And we have three men we're going to talk about this morning that met Jesus. And we find one was in the graveyard, and one was uh, on the wayside, and one was up a tree. We find that one was wild, and one was weary, and one was wondering. But they all three had one thing in common, and that was they needed the Lord Jesus Christ, and he came to where they were. Now it tells us here in chapter number 8. In chapter number 8, we begin reading with verse number 26. And they arrived at the country of the Galileans, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to the land, there met him out of the city, a certain man which had devils long time, And wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, thou Son of God, most high, beseech thee, torment me not, for he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft times it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven to the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. Now we hear people talk about 2,000 devils this and that, but if we look up a legion, a legion in that day consisted of 6,100 foot soldiers and 726 horsemen. That'd be 6,826 possible demons within this one man. Now, you think about that host of hell. There's people like that today that's got way more than that in them. Yes. And Jesus asked him, saying, What's thy name? And in verse 31, they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Now these demons thought judgment had came. This was the day of judgment for them. They did not want to go into the abyss where there were already more evil spirits than they. You see, there is an abyss that's got a group of fallen angels in them that's reserved to a day that God's going to release them upon this earth during the time of great tribulation. And they thought judgment had came. And he besought them that he would not command them. And there was in the her- uh, there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. They besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a, deep, a steep place into the lake, and were choked. Now, the pigs, the hogs, didn't want nothing to do with the devil. And they say pork's unclean. Makes that country ham taste a little better, doesn't it? (laughs) They don't want anything to do with the demons. No, anything that God blesses and sanctifies is all right to take, is it not? That's right. That's what he told Peter, that the God is called clean, let no man call common or unclean. And so we ask God to bless and sanctify the food. Now, we should eat right, don't we? We need to do that. I learned that over the years now. Uh, and uh, anyway, here we see that they ran down there, and they that fed them saw what was done. They fled and went and told in the city and the country. Now, If we would read further, we find that the people came out to see what was going on, and they find this man sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and his right mind And they were afraid. Now you think here's a man that has terrorized the community. Here's a man that finds himself comfortable living in the graveyard among the tombs, among the dead. Here's a man that change cannot hold. He broke all fetters. He was very wild. He was very wild and unsettled. And here's a man that now is changed. Now he's no longer nude, but he's fully clothed. He's setting his right mind. At the feet of Jesus. God, you get your right, you get at the feet of Jesus, you'll get in your right mind. When He changes you, you'll change. He can change the, the impossible. Uh, he can take the wildest and make them the mildest. Uh, Jesus can do that. He came uh, to save sinners. He came because he knew where this man was. Thank God for that. He comes down here, and they find him in his right mind. And they what do they do? They want Jesus to leave. You see, that's the world today. That's a lot of churches today. They don't want to see a movement of Jesus Christ in them. It upset the apple cart too much. You see, here's money's gone, all these swine are gone that they're really not even supposed to be fooling with. And that's what's wrong today. But this man's sitting here in his right mind, and he wants to go with the Lord. But what does Jesus said verse 39, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. And it came to pass that when Jesus returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. They wanted him to leave. But I'm going to tell you, over time, When Old Legion went walking through the community, and they began to see a difference, and and he began to talk about Jesus Christ, and he began to praise him, and and they began to see that he was no longer the man in the tombs, uh, but he was a man uh, with the Spirit of God in him. He was a man that knew the Lord, a man that talked about him and walked with him, and they saw that, and he changed people, he led, he went from being a wild man, a man unsettled to a man that was settled, and a whip for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happens when Jesus comes. Luke chapter 18. We look at the second man. We look at the weary man by the wayside. Luke 18. Verse 35. Very short text. And it came to pass... That is, it was come nigh unto Jericho a certain blind man set by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant, and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, "Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me." And they which once before rebuked him that he should hold his peace, but he cried so much the more, "Thou son of David, have mercy on me." Notice they rebuked him. Have you ever been guilty of rebuking somebody for wanting to know Jesus? A lot of people are. There are people today that don't, you shouldn't ask for that. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What will thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee, and immediately received his sight, and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto him. Now here's this man. He's by the wayside. He's been brought here, and he's sitting here, and he's begging for alms. But when he hears that Jesus is coming by, He cries out for Jesus. He's not crying out for, he's not crying out for alms, he's crying out for mercy. He's crying out for help. He's blinded. He's never saw light. He's sitting here in these shadows. And he's in a terrible condition by the wayside. And he's weary. He's considered a nobody. He's considered somebody that ought to have kept his mouth shut when uh, the master's got no time. You ever notice how people think that, I want to tell you, thank God Jesus Christ has got time for the lowliest of sinners. Jesus Christ has got time for those uh, who need him. Uh, he come uh, to seek and save those that was lost. He came for people like this. My eyes were once blinded to truth. But Jesus came. Oh, how he opened them. Realizing I was lost. Played church. I'd made professions of faith in churches that you could get it and lose it, they thought. You know, one of the greatest things pastor ever came to me after I got saved when I learned what eternal security was. Well, I'll tell you what, that's one of the great, I've, I've got a hold of that and I can't let go of it. Because I grew up in that, man, you know, you, and you go out here, you uh, get saved as a teenager, 13, 14 years old, supposed to get saved, and then you go down, you put a nickel on the pinball machine, you done lost your salvation. You take a drag off a cigarette back then, you know, two or three boys share one cigarette, half a cigarette, whatever, back there in the 50s. Of course, it's dope today, you know, and all that. You done lost it. And, oh, if you watched that television, you definitely was going to hell or went to the movie, or even thought about listening to Elvis Presley. You was going to hell. You done lost it, and you had to get saved again. And probably from, from the age of 11 to about 16, I kept God busy saving me again. Because every revival I'd go to, I'd want it again but every time I got worse and more vile and more sinful than I did before. But March the 30th, 1970, I didn't get down and beg God. I didn't have to get down and make promises to God. I came as a repentant sinner, and I'm still a repentant sinner. I came as a repentant sinner And put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't have a pastor meet me and tell me to get down and tell God I was going to lay this down and that down and that down. No, I'd done been reached by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You see, this man of God had been preaching for a week. I had heard about this man preaching and I had heard about him. And in 1966, a lady called me up and invited me to that church to revival. In March of 66, that that man was preaching, I said, I'll try to come. I never went. But four years later, I heard that he was there, and some told me, I guess the Holy Ghost said, didn't you ever want to hear that man? And so I went on the second night of that meeting and couldn't get away from it, kept coming back, kept holding on to the world, kept wanting what was there. At the same time, people were praying for me, and I'll tell you, they, they and they said we're going to, there was a meeting that started on Monday, going through Saturday night like they used to have them back then, and uh and they said, We're going to pray about expanding it three nights. And Sunday, the, uh, the pastor, or the preacher, go back to his church and preach, and the pastor preach here. And Monday, you be back. And I'm sitting there at the, and saying, Lord, uh, uh, don't let them stop this meeting. But at the same time, I don't want to go with the world. I tell people I know I need to be saved, but I like the life I'm living. I was a party goer. I was a, a world, a lover of the a world of, of drinking and gambling and carrying on, you know, and, and all that. Did some terrible stuff. I would not even dare share with anybody and give Satan credit. God help this crowd runs around makes a living talking about how wicked they were. That's God, I want to talk about how good God is. And that man got up one night at at Monday night, the first night, and that Sunday morning I got up. It was snowing on Easter Sunday at March the 29th. It was snowing in West Virginia. And I went into Charleston to a friend of mine's church. And I came back that Sunday night to that local church and heard that pastor preach. And I came back on Monday night, and that man got up, and he said, I'm going to preach on three guards. The devil's got this, keeping people from going to heaven. I don't know what his text was. I don't know what the first guard was or the second one. But he said this third one said, he's, he's keeping more people out of heaven than anybody. It's a guard of worldly pleasure. But he hit me right in the middle. And when he said, stand to your feet, I was already at the front of the church. I wanted it. Thank God, and He didn't turn me away. He didn't say, "You didn't fool around enough." No, He came to me. He came to where I was that night. Save me. Change me. What a joy! What a joy! This man was weary by the wayside, but I want you to notice something. He got his sight. and Not only he got his sight, but he became a worshiper. It said that here, said Jesus said, "Thy faith and immediately he received his sight and followed him glorifying God. I want to tell you, when you get saved, you'll become a witness and you'll become a worshiper. You will. You know, too many people, they, uh, they're supposed to be saved, but I never seen a witnessing. And I'm not talking about how much to talk to somebody else. I'm just talking about in their service to God, in their life, and their faithfulness. Uh, listen, our faithfulness is a witness. There's a man right now. I think about a lot of times in West Virginia. Loved God. He got a son. that's a preacher. Now, he loved God. He preached something. But he was that man. Always had a witness, just by his walk and his talk. And he's up in his 90s, and and I just expect any time for him to go to be with the Lord. I'll probably want to go to West Virginia to his funeral because he was an example to me just as a teenager in the community. And he was there that night I was saved, and, and he was there, and he's always been an encouragement to me. You see, there's a witness and there's a worship. So we see one that was wild and one that was weary, but let's look at the one that was wondering, just look at chapter 19. You say, how could it get any worse than a man that was wild in the tombs and a man that couldn't see? Because we're going to talk about a man that was in love with himself. And that's where a lot of people are at today. man by the name of Zacchaeus. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house." And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that it was gone to be guests with a man that's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man but false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, this was a very rich man, a very wealthy man. But he's wondering. He's heard about Jesus. He's heard about Jesus. And he's wondering about him when Jesus, he hears he's in town. You see, he's a man that is sort of an outcast to the Jews, though, because he's a publican, not a republican, but a publican. Now, the publicans were a group of people that served Rome by collecting taxes. They were really, you could almost say, sort of extortionists because what they could get above the tax bill, they could stick in their pocket. And they didn't care whose property they took, whose house they took, or home, or what it cost. They were for their self. Now, this man was a chief of the publicans. That means he got a percentage off of what the ones under him probably got. So they meant something to him. He's sort of like the pyramid scheme, you know. Uh, you get into that, and and these people uh, years ago, I used to live in West Virginia, work for a vending company, and I used to go in this place called Coscot. They supposed to sold uh, cosmetics, but really all it was was an investment scheme. And they finally hung the guy down in Florida for uh, several years in prison because he was a pyramid schemer, you know. And this guy in there, he was a Lebanese guy that owned a bunch of big star stores at one time. He was the big investor there. And he'd said say, he'd say I, I couldn't go in there and load the machine for somebody trying to uh, proposition me to spend my money there, you know. And tell me how sorry my boss was that he really wasn't paying me right and all that. Well, my boss was one of the best bosses i ever worked for. And, and on Saturday morning, he'd be out working when I was working on Saturday morning. You know, he'd try to do everything. And he said, I don't care who you get in with. I just want you to get, well, whoever I got in with, he was going to get a cut of it. This is the way it was with Zacchaeus. But it said he was rich, but he sought to see Jesus. Now, wondering means there's something got his attention. Many times we wonder things and there's wonderful things happen and then there's the wonders of healing and so on but we ourselves sometimes wonder about things is it for real what is it with this man now why why would this man be wondering about the Lord Jesus Christ to the point they said he was very short in stature they had to climb up a sycamore tree to see Jesus and when Jesus comes by he knows that I won't tell you you can get up a tree or you can get by the wayside or you can get in the graveyard but the Holy Ghost will find you. You can't hide from the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You may turn him down and you may come to that point that the Spirit will not come anymore but you can't hide from the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Why would he do that? Why did he want to see this man? Well, they speculate. Now, we're just giving some things here that we're not sure whether they're true or not, but gives it his example. Remember, he's, he's going around getting things that happen. Now, what do we have the first man, wild and weary, in the tomb? Remember, wild, no man could contain him. Possibly, he had been by where this guy's family was, to the house to collect taxes. Well, Mr. Zacchaeus, you know we can't pay the taxes, my goodness. My husband, this father, he's he's so wild nobody can do anything with him. Well, I'll be back in 30 days. It's mine if you don't have the money. <laughs> Zacchaeus comes back 30 days, and here's this nice looking dressed fellow there and a happy family. The house is flourishing yes, sir, I've got a job and we got the taxes. <laughs> what brought this about? He said, I want to tell you. Remember, this is the witness we're talking about. <laughs> One day in that tomb, there's a man who walked up. And without my control, that was inside of me, challenged that man, but that man challenged them and cast them out. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'm a new person now. That'll that'll get you thinking. I remember after I got saved, uh, sometime later my wife and I bought us a mobile home at the time. In fact, we brought it to North Carolina. We came to North Carolina. We hadn't had it. I told her, I said, we buy this thing now. We had not been able to have any children. I said, either I'll get transferred or you'll get pregnant. (laughs) I got transferred and then she got pregnant. (laughs) That happened. (laughs) Listen. This man saw a change in him that took place. He's no longer wild, and this witness has an effect. What I was getting ready to say about the mobile home was we had to move it into a park. And when I moved in, there was a boy who lived across from me, a guy who lived across from me. He and I went to school together from the fourth grade to the twelfth grade and graduated together and had drank together and knew each other. And he came, and his dad was a Methodist preacher, but he was not saved. And he didn't claim to be. But he knocked on my back door of my mobile home one one evening. And he said, Ben, the fellows is going to have a poker game as Friday night. You want to get in on it? Now, boy, I'd have been all for that before I got saved. And I said, I don't gamble anymore, Daryl. I got saved here a while back. <laughs> his wife said he'd come back to the house shaking his head. <laughs> that's, I believe that's what Zacchaeus did, if he heard this guy or whomever he heard. Somebody, somebody told him about Jesus. Listen, there's somebody we can tell about Jesus uh, in this world. Uh, Some people think, you know, I have been criticized for going to Africa and talking about Jesus. Why go? Because God said go. Not only just talking to people, but talking to people that think they're Christians and think they're saved and they're in all kinds of a mixed up religion and they need to hear truth. We spend as much time lecturing and teaching pastors as we do anything else because it's a country that, that has no ethics. Hear me? left this man. Well, the next person he goes to, maybe family. That's this old blind man, many call Bartimaeus. He can't pay his taxes. He has nothing. His family can do nothing. But he comes back later on. And here's this man he walks up and says, Hey, Mr. Zacchaeus, he says, how do you know it's me? He said, I can see you. He said, you meet you see you. You couldn't see me. Oh, yeah, but Jesus came by. <laughs> My eyes have been opened. <laughs> you know, when Jesus comes by, we can revert to that battle hymn of the Republic. Mine eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord in, in reality, can't we? Oh, see him know what he looks like I don't pay attention to pictures but I know one thing he lives within me and one day I shall see him as he is and be like him and thank God be with him forever one day I shall be able to fall at his feet and crown him Lord of all and worship him Uh, I'm not going to heaven because and it's nice to see family that's there but I'm going to see him Uh, he is all there is there Others are there, of course. That's the main thing going to heaven is to see Him. And I want to tell you something, Zacchaeus. Old Fuss says, I just worship Him all the time. But there's a third man that I haven't mentioned that I believe really got the attention of Zacchaeus if he happened to go by. The Bible tells us in one place there was a man by the name of Levi, a publican. He was at one of the most important places of extortion and tax collection at the receipt of customs. You didn't bring nothing by without paying him. I know what that's like. It is Jerry. It's got so bad now in Lagos, Nigeria, at the main airport. It'll cost me at least three twenty-dollar handouts to get out of the airport lobby. What do you got in that bag? Used to wasn't like that. They're looking and and and. One wants to handle your luggage and if one walks beside of him, you gotta give him something. It's getting awful. You know, I mean everything's their hands out. It's extortion. They don't care if you're a man of God or not. This is God's money. They don't care. But one day Jesus came by that receipt of custom and he looks at Levi and he says, Come, follow me. It said he immediately got up. I don't even think he settled the books, I don't even think he counted the money. I don't think he, I think he immediately went with Jesus and he became one of the 12 disciples. He was a publican, somebody that the Jews did not like, and he becomes the apostle by the name of Matthew, whose gospel would be strictly toward the Jews. The Gospel of Matthew is the is a deals with history to start and the Jews were interested in history and background and this man who was a publican who was a thief and extortionist who worked possibly for Zacchaeus now he's become one of Jesus's prime followers and he becomes a witness for the Lord And I'm telling you, if Zacchaeus was getting benefits from him, he lost a big bundle of money. I got to find out about this Jesus. A lot of people do that. That's what it is. If they could just hear about Jesus. I mean hear about Jesus. It's a name above every name. It's a name that gets attention. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. Jesus comes to the place and looks up and saw him. You can't hide from him. He is omniscient. He knows everything. Uh, That's that's an attribute of God. And he is God incarnate in the flesh. He has all knowledge. He knew me. He knew each of us that are saved. Oh, he saw me before I ever was. I'm not saying he predestined me. What I'm saying is the foreknowledge of God is God has never been surprised. I'm going to tell you something. God didn't sit there. Boy, I didn't think I'd ever get that gambler to get saved. I didn't think that. No, God knew it was going to happen. The grace of God is that he allowed me to live the life I lived until that time. And then he saw how terrible I was going to be and how a failure I was going to be as a preacher. And still he called me because he's in charge. That's Jesus. That's the way the Lord does it. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. You come to Jesus, you come in haste. I literally ran down the aisle that night. My face was in my hands. I wasn't chewing gum. I was a shameful sinner. But I wanted God. And God had something for me to do. Nazarene Church used to go to, his preacher used to tell me all the time, said, boy's going to be a Nazarene preacher someday. <laughs> I want to tell you something, I was about 15 years old, I made one of them false professions of faith. And I didn't think of this for about 40 years after I was saved. Come to my remembrance. Been preaching for a while. I've been preaching 40, 46 years. And This evangelist, when I came out the door that night, looked me in the eye and said, Young man, have you ever given consideration that God might be calling you to the gospel ministry? (laughs) See, God knew what I didn't know. And I almost wanted to preach when I first got saved, but I was afraid. And finally, I couldn't get away from at the time I got to know that. And my wife, she did not want to be married to a preacher. Her daddy was an independent Baptist preacher, so she married the devil, you know what I mean? <laughs> but I want to tell you something. When God was dealing with me about preaching, got the strongest, and I said yes. I didn't have to go tell her what had happened. She already knew. What a joy to have a wife like that. And she stood with me all these years. He came to me. Zacchaeus like made haste and come down, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Remember the apostle Paul, Lord, what will thou have me to do? <laughs> Saul of Tarsus. then. He didn't say let's make a deal. Too many people want to make a deal with God. Did you know that? You can't make a deal with God. The devil makes deals and he's a crook. You get a better deal to use car a lot than you get with the devil. (laughs) And we know how a lot of them are. And that's not putting down salesmen. I'm just saying, you know. You'd be like Barney, get that car the steering wheel come off (laughs) of it, But you know, listen. He received him joyfully. I've never regretted getting saved. The devil has tried to make me think that. Just think, if you weren't, wouldn't you rather go back to your class reunions and tell them you was this great musician or something? I used to be into music, this or or you was a, 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 a airline pilot flying around the world or this or that instead of telling them you're a preacher. No, I'm glad to tell them I'm a preacher. And some of them looked with wonder and amazement. I'd have never dreamed that. <laughs> and notice what he said. Lord, I will give half my goods to the poor. And anything I've robbed, I'll give it fourfold. The law only required twofold. He said, I'm going the extra mile. Uh, That's what Jesus was talking about one time, let us go the extra mile. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Those people were amazed. He's gone. Well, just like when Matthew, when Levi got saved and followed him, he took him home and threw a feast. They said, oh, he's gone to eat with publicans. I want to tell you something, but Listen, you sit down and eat with me, you're sitting down to one that was a, a sinner to the car one time, uh, but you're sitting down with one that's experienced the grace of God and changes took place. Legion became a witness. Bartimaeus became a worshiper. Zacchaeus became a worker. I'm going to tell you, that's three characteristics you'll have if you get saved. You'll be a witness, a worshiper, and a worker. (laughs) One got settled, one got his sight, and one got his priorities right. That's what'll happen. (laughs) Huh? That's what happens when Jesus comes. One sat alone beside the highway bagging. His eyes were blind. THE LIGHT HE COULD NOT SEE, HE clutched HIS RAGS AND SHIVERED IN THE SHADOWS, THEN JESUS CAME AND BADE HIS DARKNESS FLEE, WHEN JESUS COMES, THE TEMPTER'S POWER IS BROKEN, WHEN JESUS COMES, THE TEARS ARE WIPED AWAY, He takes the gloom and changes it to glory. For all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Have you had change as Jesus came your way? He's here today. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed. I have a verse of imitation coming along